0: What's going on, Hustlers? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hustle Lounge Podcast, starring Graham Hustle and Hustle Gang Chris.
1: Sony's not even watching the news. They're watching people on Facebook make posts about homes who don't even own homes, Yeah, don't have a million-dollar portfolio in real estate, who aren't an agent, who aren't a lender. It's just regular people Mm -hmm. just talking. It's a popularity
0: yeah. thing, though. Popularity leads you right to poverty. Mm-hmm. I'd, rather be, I'd rather be unknown and paid than popularity, popular and, and poverty. What's going on, everybody? Like, Welcome to another episode of The Hustle Loud, starring me, myself, Graham.
1: What's good? It's your boy, Chris. I'm back again.
2: What's up, y'all? It's a Big Show. We're back with another one, man. Another episode. Before y'all do anything, man, like, comment, subscribe. Y'all know what to do.
0: And if you're listening to audio only, please share, please uh, subscribe. Apple, Spotify, just, just go ahead and knock it out. But hey, today is Monday. It's a big day. because it's Monday, right? And we're here. Uh, we have a special guest today. We'd like to respect everyone's time because you know we have a rambling problem. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> We're like, welcome to the show, Sean. Sean Love, he's a realtor out of the D.C. area. Um, and, and I'll
3: let you introduce yourself, sir. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Graham. I appreciate you guys having me on today. Uh, yeah, Sean Love. I am a realtor out of the D.C. Metro. Uh, I've only been Sean Love for a couple of months now, so some people may know me as Sean Drummond. <laughs> My wife and I uh, couldn't decide on a last name that we were going to take together, and it was really important for me. Uh, as We were building a family to have a common last name, so uh, we just we couldn't decide. She didn't want to take mine, I didn't want to take hers, so we just picked a new one altogether. together, so we are now the love family. That's, that's, that's dope. Yeah, yeah. I ain't never
0: it's heard. got a nice. It's got a nice ring to it.
3: <laughs> yeah, Thank it's you. catchy. Yeah, I can appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, I am a realtor here out of the D.C. metro. I've been doing this for about five years now. Uh, I am a prior military guy as well. I used to do intel work in the military. I've been overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan and. Uh, one too many nights I was working, I decided that uh, real estate was going to be the next jump for me, and that's just where I where I went into.
1: Okay, and um, how long, you said you've been doing it five years, are you an mm-hmm. agent, are you a lender, are you a broker?
3: Yeah, so I, I'm a real estate agent. Um, I came into real estate back in 2017. I had just come back from Iraq uh, I was getting out of the military at the time. I really just decided that it was not going to be what I needed to be doing. So got out of the military and I was doing defense contract work. I actually went to go work for the army and they had me working nights. I literally had been back home for a month. I went and joined them. I was actually a government employee at the time. Uh, I was working nights. My hours were Thursday night from 11 p.m. Uh, I would work until the morning at 7 a.m. And I would do that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I would have like Tuesday and Wednesday off. And after about the first two weeks of that, I said, uh, this is just not for me. And uh, that's when I decided to kind of get into my get into real estate a little bit more. And that's when I really made the decision to go full-time and, and really pursue getting a real estate license. Um, originally, my goal was to just be a real estate investor. And I thought that I just needed a real estate license to be a real estate investor. <laughs> um, I don't know how many people you've talked to already that have figured that out that you don't at all. You definitely don't need that. Uh, but I kind of got into it. I started working at, you know, there was a, there was a transition period of about a year where I still was doing government contracting, you know, for some different organizations, but learning real estate, you know, getting familiar with things and, uh, in January of uh, 2019 or 2018, uh, 2019, I took the jump and I quit my job uh, and, and just jumped into this full time. And so uh, it's a scary jump, man. I don't know if you guys have ever gone from, well, I don't, I don't know if you guys have, but when you go from we're earning a W-2 guaranteed pay <laughs> every month for just showing up to, uh, you know, to, to doing what I'm doing now, which is, uh it's all commission-based, it's 100% commission-based. It can be a little bit terrifying at first. So um maybe I can give some good insights on do's and don'ts when uh, when you guys are ready to make that jump.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh I like one thing you said when you say you, uh, you took a leap, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are afraid to take that jump because you know, they don't know where they're going to land, if they're going to sink or swim. They don't know what's going to happen. So the fact that you did it, knowing that you don't know what, what's going to happen, that's what it's all about. That taking that leap just to put yourself out there.
3: Yeah, and I'll even say like the thing that really pushed me was um, I was actually working for the army prior to leaving to Iraq. So I was doing the reserve thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with reserve duty, but for anybody who's not, it's you're you have a full time job, you do what you do, but then you're also in the military, right? So you'll go on a few weekends out of the month to go drill or whatever, and then you'll you know every year or two you'll mm-hmm. jump into Um, going on deployment or something like that and I was working for the army before I deployed to Iraq and when I was leaving I actually met this guy he'd been working there for a while Um, I don't want to say his name or anything but you know it was just the the process of seeing him getting ready to retire after 40 years of government work and boy let me tell you what he was excited, man. They bought an RV. They were getting ready to travel the country. They were getting ready to really do big things. Him and his wife were really happy. they had already had the kids. They lived the life. They worked diligently for 40 years and finally about to get a pension from the government and be able to officially retire. And he was a cool guy. He was a really nice guy. I really liked him a lot. And I talked with him from time to time. So when I was leaving, he hadn't yet left, but I knew he was getting ready to leave. He had like maybe two weeks before I left that he was getting ready to leave. And so I was gone for about a year, a little over a year. And when I came back, he was still there. And I was like, yo, what are you still doing here? Are you supposed to be gone? You're supposed to be in an RV, traveling around the country. And uh, come to find out, he did. He retired. They bought the RV. They left. They went and traveled around the country. And about a month or two into it, uh, he started not feeling too good. He was coughing. He was sick. And uh, so they went and saw a doctor. They found out he has lung cancer. And the, basically the payments for his insurance and medications and everything were so expensive. He had to go back to work. So he came back on as a contractor after he had already retired. And so when I came back and I heard that story and I seen that guy and what was going on with him, um, that just gave me even more drive and motivation to be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go and work 30, 40 years in a place. And then when I am ready to leave, I, I can't even do it because I don't have the money I need to to live the life I want. Um, so it was in that moment that I just decided, yeah, it's time for me to go ahead and get my license. And I was like, if it takes 10 years to build a business, I, like, I can fail three or four times, really hardcore fail three or four times before I can hit it big and really be able to live the life that I want to live. And I said, I would rather take the chance of doing that versus the guaranteed 40 year pension, 30 year pension, whatever it might be um so i can retire one day man that's it's so that's not it's heavy
0: so no no it's very common um across the, the society that people get excited about working to their 65 um i, th- I think yeah. my light bulb that went off years ago i'm a car guy and i was like mm-hmm. yeah and i retired i'm gonna get second retirement get a corvette well mm-hmm. i started to get old and realize that you know, that's a lot of work getting in and out of a Corvette, and I, I work out a lot, and I think I'm in almost fairly decent shape. But who knows that 55? It's going to hurt to get in and out of that vehicle. So if I really, if I really want a Corvette, not that I need to work for a vehicle, but I need to position myself that while I'm in my best health and young and agile, that I need to be able to purchase it if mm. that's my choice. And I'm not working for a car, but if I'm 32 and the day says, let's go buy a Corvette, I know I can hop in and out and enjoy it. Because at right. 60, I'm gonna be, I probably won't even be able to see that well to drive <laughs> it to the max speed. Um, <laughs> but, but something as simple as that really helped my eyes. Like, Do I really want to be 65 in a Corvette trying to grab my cane because I worked so hard to finally enjoy the vehicle? And the other part yeah. of that, too, was if I do get a nice sports vehicle, I don't want to drive it to work.
2: <laughs> mm, right.
0: You're yeah.
3: right. Like, I'm, I'm doing good now. out.
0: <laughs> no, like, I'm
3: I my- I Go ahead. I, I get that, man. And that's that's kind of where I was at, Graham. Like I just didn't wanna, you know, I didn't wanna I didn't want to have that same setup, you know. And I to my I, I would rather buy things that are gonna put me ahead in life than have the nicest clothes or the nice shoes or coolest cars, whatever. I'm like I forget who said it, man, but I think it was Jay Z said it one time. He said you can't buy it twice, if you don't buy it at all. Right. Oh. And and I think that oh. that really like that was a quote that has always stuck with me. And I'm like, well, I really can't buy that car twice, especially <laughs> pay cash for it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, two loans. If I can't buy two of them, I don't want one of them. Right. Um, and it just keeps you from like really um, you know, being in a place that would would put you in a bad spot financially. You know what I mean? So that's that's really what did it for me
0: yeah and I mean that makes sense and, and it is a hard it is a hard pill to swallow because it's such a reality check like you said can I buy it twice mm-hmm. um, yeah the average vehicle's is 30-40 grand probably 50 at this time
3: yeah I mean I was looking recently like 60 or 70 <laughs> I don't even it's look incredible,
0: incredible. I went yeah. for an oil change the other day and I seen a Tahoe for $89,000 like... <laughs> and the guy told me that the dealership took 5 grand off it was a deal <laughs>
3: Yeah, that. yeah, crazy. It's, it's not a deal anymore, yeah. man. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh, no, I, I drive a, a, I have like a ten year old like Toyota Corolla that I drive around from time to time on appointments, man. Like, right? I I just try not to let like the 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 tangible materialistic things in life really get to me. I just I don't know. I, I've re- I've really never been that way, but I had to go and get some work done on it the other day, and I was like, man, it's might be like a $1,500 fix, you know, on the car. So I started looking, I was like, maybe I just need to get a new car right now. Right. <laughs> and the car payments I'm sitting adding them up, they're about a thousand dollars a month. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I can pay one month of 1500 I can pay a thousand dollars for the next six years. I was like, I don't I think I'm that you know? hey, hey, sir, fix it. Mm-hmm. Call me when it's ready. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Or even like looking at, especially in real estate, it has, you, it has me thinking a lot differently about things, right? Like, you know, if I can buy an asset, if I can take the price of the car and I can buy an asset that'll give me the monthly payment I need to buy that car, maybe I buy an asset for, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 cash somewhere that will give me a thousand dollars a month. I just use that thousand dollars and make the car payment now. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a better way to set your life up than, you know, taking out a loan for, for that amount of money. You know what I mean? And I think <laughs>
0: It is harder said than done. Um, and delayed gratification definitely plays a factor. But that's my goal—an yeah. uh, asset to pay for every liability. Because I still want to enjoy those things, but I want to enjoy them and not them enjoying me, as in me working every day to pay them. Um, right? And, and I think that's that's so important. That and, and, it, and it is hard. It is hard to have an asset that take care of liability because that asset may take seven years to grow to afford that mm-hmm. liability. But it's a lot better when. Is someone else's money in a sense because it's something that you built that's taking care of the things that you like to do. If you're taking that out of your primary source of income, well, congratulations, you're like 78% of the rest of Americans living check to check and, um, you know, it's normal, right? And being normal is accepted in some people. It's just not something that yeah. I'm cool with. Uh, so real estate no, investing, look at that. You went into real estate invest. I actually talked to a guy the other day that flipped houses and he was just explaining yeah. to me with the real estate investing and him being a realtor when they do the, uh, I can't think of the name of the form, the form where you tell him nothing's wrong with the house that he yeah. has to, uh, he has to double check it because he is a realtor and licensed by the state. So mm-hmm. if those ends don't meet, he has to do like two different inspections because he'll lose his realtor license and be fine. And this is like a lifetime thing. It's, it's no statute of limitation on that.
3: Um, yeah.
0: Are you still looking at real estate investment or are you just enjoying the realtor role right now? Or how's everything going?
3: Yeah. You know, I, I, so that's kind of like where I got into now. So I, I work as a full-time agent currently, and I really want to do real estate investing because like when my wife and I bought our house, right? First of all, we were not married at the time. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend. We hadn't even gotten engaged or anything like that. But in my mind, my I was 24 at the time. And I said, you know, I would rather buy a house than spend money on a wedding. Like we don't have the money to begin with. It's a lot cheaper for us to buy a house than it's throw a nice wedding. Like, Why don't we just mm-hmm. knock this out, right? turned out to be one of the best decisions we've made. But at the time, it's like your mom and dad are telling you, go get married. You know, you have friends telling you, why aren't you guys doing a wedding? It's like society wants to put this pressure on you. Um, And I just, I wasn't really feeling it. I've just always been that mindset of, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna do what I think is right for me. And that was honestly one of the best things that we did. Um, So yeah, real estate investing, how do you uh, bring those two things together, right? being the investor and the agent, I think it is pretty easy to do it at, you get the inside scoop being a real estate agent, right? The hard thing I think for people to um, really bring together or mesh is that, and I did this too, my first year in real estate, like I didn't really sell anything. I just kind of was there existing, I absorbed information. I didn't really look at it in the way I should have been looking at it because I was very self-centered getting into the business, Right. I was very selfish about my goals i was like i'm going to sell houses so i can make a bunch of money right and that is something that one of my mentors came to talk to me about it's called commission breath right people can smell you coming after their equity they can smell you coming after their assets and if you're only in it for a self-interested reason you're not doing it to help your clients achieve their goals because the reality is the best agents out here like they literally do. They they help their clients achieve their goals, whether it's buying a home, selling a home, buying an investment, selling an investment, whatever it is. And if you take that on, you take your clients, go on for yourself. Whatever you charge them, that's what you get paid for doing a good job. But if you don't do the good mm-hmm. job first, you never get paid for it. So in my mind, I had it all backwards. I had I'm going to make a bunch of money first, not I have a client that is hiring me to do this really complicated task for them, right? And so that's what I had to get. You know, figured out for me at the end of the day was that. And so ultimately what happened for me was I joined a team and organization that gave me that mindset to, to go after. And that was where my mentorship came from for the first couple of years. Uh, but how do you mesh the two when you're a real estate agent, you actually have the inside track of what's going on in the market. You know whether prices are going up or going down, you know what's fair market value, you know when there's a good deal to be had. So if you go to a seller and the seller has a home that, that needs work or has issues or whatever you know what those issues are you know how much they cost it's very easy for you to say you have two options mr seller you can either sell this house for cash right and here's roughly what the price is that you're going to get or you could go to the open market you'll get more for it but it's not going to be market value right if homes are selling for five hundred thousand, your home needs sixty thousand dollars worth of work to get it to five hundred thousand. somebody's really only going to pay maybe 380 400 for it right So, hey, I'll give you exactly what an investor would buy it for, maybe a little bit more because I know exactly what's wrong with it. Just sell it to me and I can do that for you, right? Now, when you present those two options to people and you present it clearly with what they understand, then you're in a place where you're helping them by giving them the education they need. And what I tell my clients all the time is like, you are going to make the right decision for you and your family, right? I'm not the one that's going to make the decision. You are. So let me give you the education that you need to advise and counsel you to make that decision, right? And I think when you do that properly at the end of the day, then people just look at you in a different light. They understand what it is that you're trying to do, which is help them at the end of the day. So when I present this to people, 98% of the time, 97% of the time, they just say, you know what? Let's put it on the open market. And they get a lot more money in their pocket at the end of the day. So what ended up happening with me was when it came down to this situation of, Do I want to be an investor? Well, now I have to look at how I'm doing my investing, right? So I'm now just serving people at a high level and I'm helping them with whatever their goals are, get paid a decent commission for it. And then I take that money and I go buy investment properties for whatever I'm aiming for, right? And so sometimes these are not in markets that are around me anyway, because if you're in the DC Metro here, expensive property, (laughs) not cheap. You know, our average home price here in Northern Virginia is it it was over the summer, like early, early summer, late spring was pushing close to a million dollars for a single family home. Right. I don't have that cash. I don't have that down payment right now to be able to go to 300,000 for a decent single family home um, to purchase. But there are other markets where you can buy multifamily properties for like 80,000, 90,000, 100,000. And that's an easier situation for most people to be in because you can just pay cash for it becomes a tax write-off. So now you can, you can you know, depreciate that asset and whatever income I'm making for the year, I can take it against that depreciation. And, and so you just lower your tax liability all while at the same time buying investment properties. So that's something that my wife and I are gonna do this year also um, is take advantage of that. But yeah, so you're, the opportunities for investing in the traditional sense like that, I haven't seen as many of them, but I think it's just because of the way that I go about my business. You made, you made a great
0: point. I mean, I'm real big in the sales. been doing sales all my life. I'm going to give you the information. I'm going to give you everything you need. You have to be the decision maker. And yeah. you go in thirsty. It's the same in my sales. People know when we call it recruiting hungry. Um, they yeah. know when you hurt and they know when you need a body because you can smell it when they get off the elevator. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's a very important, especially in the sales of find out what sales is the customer, making the customer happy, not what going to make the most money in my pocket. Uh, because like you said they have especially buying a home that's some people's dream goal one home is their only home they don't want to they don't want you to upsell them you don't always have to upsell let me sell you seven hundred thousand dollars because I've already counted my commission at 38 you know <laughs> and, and that's what you know rookies do and then there's people who's been in the game a long time I've noticed that you know because when I go out and I just kind of shoot the crap with people they I can hear it in their voice like okay, I've told them that I've been in sales. You would think they would adjust to how they, then they just just boneheaded. Like, no, you can do this, Mike. Yeah. I don't need that. But you can do this. I don't need that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing, tailoring the sale to the customer because they're going to buy out of emotion and they're going to buy out of you. They're buying the, they buy in the shine love or they buy the house. Um, and, yeah, and if, absolutely. And if they truly believe you have their best interests at heart, not only is they going to purchase, you know, what they can afford, they're going to bring you so much business that you can't put enough signs up in DC to bring them to you. Um, yeah and I think that's so imperative um so the dc market let's talk about it right now present sure. day 2022 coming off the pandemic interest rates at an all-time low interest rates are now climbing uh, we have uh false profits or people who just look at stuff and saying that they should never buy a house to 2029 right they should um, wait forever
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So oh, we yeah, got good luck with that <laughs> right
0: <laughs> so my my theory and our theory over here is i mean i think we're on the same page y'all can tell me if i'm wrong but the price of the house is still going to go up, even if the interest rate goes back down. Um, so you might get a 3% interest rate eight years from now, but that $300,000 house is going to be 935000 So, yeah. <laughs> But what's your thoughts on how's business going now with just the constant turn of the economics?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is something we hear constantly. We have to fight it left and right. And um, on the news, the media outlets are all going to tell you the same thing. Oh, my God. Hey you know, this is the worst time to buy a house. Don't buy a house right now. And they're, it's a, it's a little bit manipulative, man. I, I'm definitely, I've, I don't know about you guys, but I have stopped watching mainstream media a long time ago. I don't look at it. I, it's, if you look at who owns those corporations, it's not, it's not good for anybody, but if you really look at the data, so we just look at the data. um, That's it. Real estate is a very hyper-local market. Okay what's happening in one city may not be happening in another. And in our specific area, that is very true. If you look at the DC Metro um, in some areas, it's still a heavy seller's market, right? Properties don't sit on the market very long, lots of showings, things like that. So in Virginia, Northern Virginia is tending to fare pretty decently. We're still seeing low inventory, low days on market. Um, It's still very much a great time for sellers to be selling in Washington, DC, the city of it's, trending back towards a more neutral market, right? We're seeing days on market start to tick up a lot higher within the city. People are not wanting to live in the city as much, right? So people are not buying properties as frequently in the city currently. Um, The inventory is starting to pick up higher. So we're seeing it kind of level out there. And then in Maryland, parts of Maryland are faring a little bit differently, right? Uh, The the Maryland, Montgomery County, PG County, things like that in our area, uh, tending to stay still somewhat of a seller's market. We might see some areas start to see days on market trickle up a little bit. Uh, But then other parts of Maryland, it's definitely going back towards a more neutral market, more of a a mixed market where it's more fair for buyers and sellers. But as far as a market crash goes, no, absolutely not. Um, There is three graphs that you can kind of look at, maybe four graphs that you can look at. And this is all publicly available data. Are you guys familiar with the FRED? The what? Fred, FRED, the Federal Reserve Economic Data Website. Yeah. Okay. So on the the Fred website will have, and you can look these up, like just graphs, spreadsheets. Um, and if you look at the last time that we really had high inflation like we do now, I wish I I wish I could have a graph to kind of compare side by side, but I think it would probably take a little bit too long to, to set that up. But if you just look at the the inflation data uh for let's say like nineteen sixty-seven to nineteen eighty-five, right? Just look at what happened with inflation. We had high inflation back in the 70s, right? And we see the same thing starting to happen today. We're seeing inflation trickle up. We, I think the CPI numbers for July were like 9.1% or 9.3%, something like that. Just something crazy. Last time we've seen that happen was back in the 70s. So, But if you take that 10 or 12-year period from 1968, 1969, all the way through 81, 82, 83, you know, you're going to see that there was very high inflation. It was persistently high inflation. We had high grass prices along with High mortgage rates. We saw mortgage rates go all the way up to like 19, 20% in some parts, you know, during that time frame. But we also saw another crazy thing, which was home values essentially tripled, right? You had home prices go threefold in in the span of like 12 or 13 years, right? And so we have similar things happening currently. In the 70s, it was like the Cold War timeframe, right? A lot of craziness going on. Nothing really crazy really happened, but Dipl- diplomatic policies changed, everything else was really going on in that timeframe. And when we compare that data to what's going on today, you know, we're seeing something very similar across, and if we take a fourth data point, we look at what rent did in that time too, right? And the 1960s, the beginning of 1980s, we saw rent go up in some areas, almost tenfold, right, on average. So if you wanna stay renting as a buyer and continue to do that for the next 10 years while you're waiting for interest rates to come back down, I wouldn't do it. I would just take the loss and move on, right? You missed your chance to go out and buy. And you know what we were hearing two years ago, a year and a half ago, a year ago, when, when this was all going on? Oh my God, prices are so high, prices are gonna fall. Man, it's all BS, man. It's all BS. It, it, people get in their heads about it. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. What I tell people is, what are you paying monthly? What is your monthly payment on this property? What are market rents right now? is what you're paying monthly about the same as what market rent is, you are winning. Whether that's plus or minus a few hundred dollars, like you're winning at the end of the day. Because there's some people who are paying, you know, a a decent amount in rent today, but if they have bought two, three, four years ago, they would be making approximately four, five, $600 a month on whatever that asset was, right? And they might also have another 50 or 100,000 in equity sitting in their home or their property. And so I just think that this whole conversation of, you know, real estate markets crashing, it's kind of a myth. Um, If you look right now, BlackRock, I looked at the other day, they have $50 billion queued up to go buy real estate when the market is supposed to crash, right? Whatever that looks like. Well, what does a crash really mean? I mean, are we talking about, we had property values go up 40% in two years. Is a crash of 15 or 20% really that significant? So that means over the last three years, we saw property values go up 20%. Okay, well, there, where's the bottom really going to fall? Nobody really knows. So I tell people all the time, like if it's something you're interested in, just look at the rent. What's the rent going to be on it? Can you make a profit on it? If you can make a profit on it, then you can buy it, right? It's all relative. And then 30 years from now, when you go to sell this asset, if you ever do sell, I am team never sell, hashtag never sell, right? <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> I, I don't think you should sell it, you know? And I tell clients that all the time too. But yeah, that's that's what I tell people. This market, it, it's definitely a time to buy. Yeah, exactly. and
0: it always is because I mean, like you said, with their, that's not, so when I do math, when it that's homes are the only thing that I would do. What am I trying to spend monthly? As um, mm-hmm. far as vehicles and other things, I need to know the bottom line price because those are things that you normally can just cash out or get close to cashing out. Um, I don't yes. have six thousand in my checkbook to write a check for a house, so I need to know what's a monthly payment uh mm-hmm. moving here i was looking at and i was just being boneheaded just because i didn't really want to move to this area but the air force said we don't care um i was exactly. looking at a rental property and it was it was 20 the one we the one we said we was going to probably do was 2375 it was a right. a uh, three-bedroom townhouse i'm from the country i never lived that close proximity to anyone um it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to have the wife and the baby in the house because i'm just so used to being <laughs> in the country but uh <laughs> when i did that math i was like I still can come out better and just pay. If I can pay this price, I can pay the same price and own something. And I came in way cheaper. And I'm just like, I'm glad that I had, I'm glad that I drove eight hours here and the guy let somebody else sign for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm That's sure that really if I would have walked through there, I would have walked up them three flights of stairs like there's no way. Like I got <laughs> <laughs>
3: There's
0: no, no backyard or nothing. So right. we know that real estate is is definitely a hustle. Um, It's definitely mm-hmm. a hustle and bustle. I do believe in, I'm sure you can attest to it. You probably seen more people come and go during this time frame because of the pandemic. They thought real estate and mortgages and lending and brokerage was the way to go because houses were flying off the market. But reality is coming yeah. back. You started before uh, the pandemic came. So, what advice would you give someone who were looking at this career field? Because there is a false sense that I can go in and get all these commissions because houses are just flying. People think they're just gonna walk in and be the realtor of the year. I know better. But I would, you know, with you being in the field, I would like for you to explain. Um, or just give your take on it?
3: Yeah, I think it depends on on your mindset. You know, when I came in 2017, 2018, people were saying the same thing. The market's crashing. You know, this is a horrible time for you to get in as an agent. Um, and I read this book uh, and, and I forget the name of it. I think it was by Grant Cardone or something. But he said, I look for the market downturns. I want the market to crash because when the market crashes, that's when I'm going to shine because I'm going to outwork and I'm going to out hustle every single one of you, Right. I'm going to be the one out there putting my name up and knocking these doors and calling these people and getting my name out there. And guess what? You're going to be stuck at home thinking, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. Things are crashing all around me, right? All of that is going to be playing in your head. But in my head, I'm going to say, yeah, you're sitting on your couch and I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to out hustle you, right? And that's exactly what I think it comes down to. It's not an industry for the faint of heart. It's really not. Um, I've stepped up recently into the role I was actually hired on by my brokerage. Uh, to be the productivity coaching agent, which is where I get in front of all the new agents that come in and help get them into production, right? Um, and that is something that we constantly are talking about. Like, what are your goals, right? Do you want to be a highly producing agent? Do you want to make six figures, seven figures a year? You can do it, but it doesn't happen overnight, And I think a lot of people have this mindset of like, well, as soon as I walk in the door, I'm here, where's my million bucks, right?
2: (laughs) And it doesn't happen (laughs) like
3: that at all. So you have to earn it. Um, And there's a lot of comparison that goes on within yourself and other people, I think, just from being in a naturally competitive environment. So I would say for anybody who's interested in getting into this as a career, um, examine why. I would take a look at your why. And there's a book. Uh, I actually brought it with me. If anybody's interested, this is where you start, right? It's called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Okay. So this is the book that will give you the systems and the models and the tools to actually go out and be a successful real estate agent. And the thing that's in that book is start with your why, why are you doing this? Because when things get hard at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta have something to lean back on. Right. And, and so for me, my why was always a default to that story of being uh, working for the army and and knowing who i knew and seeing their struggle and saying i don't want that for my life uh and that's what i that was my default to it so um outside of that anybody who's interested in it it's a lot of fun uh, but you are responsible for your paycheck at the end of the day so if you're not ready to take that on as a challenge Mm -hmm. uh there's other options for you you know Yeah. yeah not to discourage anyone but um I think people blew a lot of smoke up my butt when I was starting and I <laughs> definitely didn't like that. They're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you'll be really successful. No worries." And I am, but there is a lot of trial and tribulation and heartache yeah. that comes along with it. So just nice. be prepared to face that and don't it's not all roses and, you know, flashy cars over here. Like there's a lot of people I know that put on a lifestyle and pretend to be that person, but they really are not. They're they're paying dearly for it. And right. I, I know it hurts them every day when they look up and they say, Oh, I got all this stuff. I got this nice car, these nice clothes. I don't have nothing else to show for it outside of what I've bought. And right. um, for me, it's not about what other people see, it's what I see when I get into my bank account. That's what I want to see.
0: Yeah,
3: uh, I feel
1: I, I feel like uh this this is a mentorship more than a
0: real estate. Yeah, <laughs> this is great.
1: <laughs> this is some life coaching for y'all for sure. Cause you're no, down the
0: breaking down what we say all the time, but some people take what I may say or you may say or Colin may say with a grain of salt because we're not active real estate investors or real estate mm-hmm. agents. But I've been around the block a thousand times and I know a little bit about a lot. Um, yeah. And I know that real estate is a sales market. Right. And mm-hmm. ultimately, anything that you do that's going to be high paying in, in, in the world is going to be in a sales market. Selling a yeah. product or selling a service. you got to sell yourself where you do both of that. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath with that sales, sales means work. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. sales, does, yeah. sales, they should just take the word out of sales and put work my ass off to yeah. get my name there. Right. Uh, Because we can sit on social media and spend all the promo on Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing. Um, like you said, I know, not, and I, I want to give a disclaimer to anyone out there in the sales groups or in the sales world that mm-hmm. somebody like me who potentially is going to not, you know, smoke your, you know, not going to waste your time and going to buy. Like, yeah don't care what you got I don't know what you pull up in yeah. I'm everything you say and how you carry yourself and that's going to make me because one if you pull up in a Bentley and I like Bentleys and you're trying to sell me a house I'm I want to know how the you
3: Bentley. got <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and not everyone who has a flashy demeanor means that they mean wrong but more so than none like you stated there's real estate agents who are taking these rapper photo shoots and they're yeah. doing all of these things to get their name out and they're doing their things to get their name out and everything but their craft.
3: Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? right. right. I, I hear
0: know, you. If I know more about this property and how these things work more than my agent, why are you here? I
3: don't know what I need my, you for. It. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I, I 100% agree with you there. Stop what you're
2: doing right now, man. Hit that like button, man. What's the comment? Let us know how we're doing. Uh, appreciate so. you
3: know, I think the thing people take for granted is, uh, the two things. Number one is in this business, you will get, as you grow, let me I'm gonna figure out how to say this. So your business will grow to the extent that you do. It's actually written on the wall here in the office, right? But your business will grow in relation to how you grow as a person, right? How much you give, how much you care about other people, how much you love life, like how happy or at peace you are with yourself. The more you grow in that sense, the more your business will grow. And I will say from experience that that is 100% true. Um, And then the second thing is, I think people, you know, have the, the wrong mindset walking into it. And I did too. I actually had to adjust my mindset, which was, you know, looking after other people more than you're looking after yourself if you help other people achieve their goals and build wealth, then you will in turn be wealthy because you just created a bunch of millionaires around you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing I said this the other day, I hadn't put it out yet, but the easiest way to make money is to help someone else make money. And <laughs> like it, 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 it sounds as that crazy. Yeah. As it sounds, and that's why internship is important because you're making mm-hmm. someone else money. So you're getting the experience for free, which is sometimes worth more than the paycheck.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, as a perfect, you know, segue to that, you know, when you work in real estate like this, there's, you have solo agents and a lot of them just keep all the commission from themselves. They may have to pay a brokerage or whatever, but you also have people that join a team, right? And a lot of times you get in this and you say, okay, well, why would I join a team? Right? Why do I want to join a team? They are usually taking about half of your earnings, which kind of sucks, right? But I I tell people, especially new agents all the time, I literally sat around for a year and didn't do anything, right? So I was making a 100% of zero, right? I mean, nothing. (laughs) But when you get with a team or you get with somebody who's doing this business at a high level, then you're taking 50% of whatever that earnings are, right? So I literally treated my first couple of years when I worked on a team, the mindset that I had was, this is like working in a high level MBA program that you get paid for, right? MBA, I think it's not like MBA, but MBA, right? MBA program that you're getting paid to do, okay? And I literally, over the course of a couple of years, made my mentor and the team that I worked on close to a quarter million, if not maybe $300,000 in sales, right? And I got to keep some of that for myself too. But at the same time, I learned all the skills and the mindset and everything that I needed to grow and succeed as a very productive agent. And now I'm on my own, and so I get to make that for myself. And I'm doing that with other people as well. And it it all
1: all came full circle because you took all that game that you soaked up, you know. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't come out of your pocket. Versus if you would have kept by yourself, you would have been still trying to
3: play catch up. Yeah, (laughs) like you skip it when you have when you have the right mentor. And I, trust me, I interviewed with a lot of people, but when you have the right mentor, it does help cut your time down because you don't have to make all these mistakes on your own. Yep. And that's why I say start with that. And it's two books. I'll show you the other one now too. The Millionaire Real Estate care. Investor. Oh, I did. I came prepared. Mm. <laughs> Millionaire okay. Real Estate Investor because it gives you every time the the MREA, we call the MREA the red book, right? Millionaire Real Estate Agent. But there's all of these systems and models that you literally if you just do what this book says and you build a business similar what's in this book, you will be successful. Every time I stray away from those models, I mess myself up. I spend money unnecessarily. I'm I'm doing things I don't need to be doing. And so as as long as you can find a model or a system and put yourself in that box, even just for a couple of years to learn it, a lot of times we try to be creative, but we're not creative. We shouldn't be creative. We're not meant to be creative right off the bat. We need to get something that works, put money in our pocket. Then we can be creative once we know how to do it
1: sure so i i just want to uh turn this podcast yeah. to the left a little bit right so yeah obviously we got people on here um if they wanted to be a real estate agent we gave them everything they needed mm-hmm. we built the false narrative that people shouldn't buy a house right now so can we right. give people um some advice on how on home buying um sure. along the lines of for those who haven't bought a house before what are some programs they can look at and um and what, what's the a good a good credit score for them? Um, how much money do they need saved up? A lot of people don't know about all these fees that come with buying a house. You know, just just, just bring know.
0: them down one by one, man. You <laughs> <it> <laughs> ran, <laughs> ran them through like seven questions. <laughs> <laughs> like seven questions. So let, let's just I'm I'm just, no, I'm, no, with you all right. I, I'm in lockstep with you. What are some programs available for first time homebuyers? Let's start there.
3: So let's talk about jurisdiction you're buying in, right? We have three different jurisdictions that we operate in here. You have Virginia, Maryland, and DC. All of them have first time buying programs. And I think one of the myths that we talk about is, do you have to be a first time buyer? A lot of times, no. Sometimes it's just you're buying for the first time in that state, right? Sometimes it's a year requirement. You can't have bought anything in the last five years. Some of them, if you can't have bought anything at all, right? I could, we could literally do an hour podcast and I would probably want to bring one of my lenders on to even talk about these things a little bit more. But the reality is there are so many different programs out there at the state level, at the county level, and even at the city level to get people into properties. Okay. It's very simple. All you need is, is a minimum credit score that's usually around like 600, you know, maybe 620. Some of them go a little bit lower than that. Um, if, you go, if you have a lower than that credit score, you'll be looking at a slightly higher interest rate. But at the end of the day, when you look at our properties here in the DC Metro, we know for a fact, take any 30 year slice of history you want, two and a half times to four times their value over that period. Doesn't matter over the last 100, 150 years, you look at a property in our area, look at it 30 years later, what's it worth? It's anywhere from two and a half to four times its value within that 30 year period, right? And so that's reliable data that you can look at and know, all right, if I buy a property today and I just wait until it's 30 years from now, I'll have an asset that's going to be three to four times what I paid for it, most likely, okay? Um, And and when it comes to the first-time buying programs, I think the the big thing people need to understand is because of the variety, you got to figure out your why. I'll just take it back to that. Why are you buying in the first place? Are you buying because you're tired of renting? Well, that's different than the person buying because they want to get into real estate investing right? Okay. Are you buying to do vacation rentals or, you know, rent to nursing, the nursing community, okay? Or executive management, whatever that is. All of that can happen in our area. Um, If you're just buying straight out a home, you'd probably want to do a first-time buyer program. If you're buying because you want to own multiple units, multiple doors at the end of the day, you probably want to look into for your veteran client. If you have a VA, if you can use a VA loan, buy a multifamily with a VA loan. It's zero down, literally zero down. And I think a common myth people don't realize is in our DC Metro here, you can actually buy a four unit property up to $1.4 million, right? You can, might be able to go even higher than that, but doing that on a VA loan, which can mean zero down payment, right? So what other, what, what else can you do to buy a, a million, $1.4 million property with a VA loan, essentially no money down, the only requirement is you have to live in it for 12 months, that's it. So when we talk about getting highly leveraged in real estate, this is something that I've helped a lot of people with you know, over the last two years, three years now is buying multifamily properties. Um, it just, it, it makes no sense not to buy when you can do that with a VA loan. You can also do it with an FHA loan. You don't have to be a veteran to do that. You can buy a four unit property on an FHA loan. It's a three and a half percent down payment right? So you can get highly leveraged with real estate in that regard. But a lot of times the first-time buyer programs will either give you a grant or they will give you a, a second trust. So you have your first trust, which is the primary mortgage. That's like 97% of the home's value. The second trust could be anywhere from 1%, to 3%. And that's usually your down payment. And they'll give you that as a second trust. And they'll either do that via second trust or a grant. So it lowers the amount of money uh, that you need out of pocket to actually buy something. We help a lot of renters. I know I'm like going all in on this right now. So if I'm saying too much, let me know, but (laughs) all right. So the perfect scenario that I tell people with is if your lease is up, you can become a buyer very, very easily. You need a security deposit and first month's rent with rates having gone up the way that they have. The market has now become less saturated with buyers because people are skittish about the market. They don't know where it's going. So for you as a tenant, someone who is renting or maybe someone who wants to buy a new property, let's say your rent is $2,000 a month. I think that's a fair rent for like a two bed, one bath, two bed, two bath in our area, maybe a little more than that, but let's just use $2,000 a month as an example. You're gonna need a security deposit and first month's rent to sign a new lease. That's $4,000, right? In most of our area, if you're buying as a first-time buyer, you're going to need a 3% to 3.5% down payment, okay? So let's just take that as an example. You're also going to need anywhere from 2.5% to 4% for closing costs, okay? So all in all, you're going to need anywhere from 6 to 7% cash out of pocket to buy any property, okay? With the first-time buying program, most of them will give you between 1%, 2 or 3% towards your down payment, either in the form of a second trust or a grant. That will cover your down payment for the most part. When it comes to your closing costs, let's say between three and 4%, we'll ask the sellers to pay all of your closing costs that they can. For most of those loan programs, they can give you up to 3%. In Virginia, your closing costs are anywhere from two and a half percent to 3%. In DC, it's usually three to three and a half percent. In Maryland, it's usually three and a half to four and a half percent. Okay, so when you jump into this, you say, all right, I'm getting a a grant or a second trust for the down payment. The sellers are going to give me three percent. And so I have about five percent on average covered right there. And I need six to seven percent. So just simple math. We're buying a four hundred thousand dollar starter home. Maybe we're buying a three hundred thousand dollar starter home. But let's just use the four hundred thousand dollar starter home. This could be a single family townhouse or a condo. I'm going to need 1% to 2% of the sales price on average to get into that home. If it's a $400,000 home, I have that covered more often than not, just simply with the amount that I already have for my security deposit plus first month's rent, right? And so sometimes there's a little bit of money that can be made up either through a retirement account or depending on the county or jurisdiction you're in, there may be additional loan or grant programs for you to cover that difference. A lot of people don't even realize this, but there's so much money that goes to waste every year in our area for those programs. And the city, the county, the state doesn't care because when you buy a property, you're now paying property taxes. Uncle Sam is happy because you're paying property taxes. So they give you the money freely or they give you the money in the form of like a no interest second trust. And you get that money, you buy the property you wanna live in. Now you're a homeowner, you're building equity, You're paying property taxes, which they love. They use that to fund the schools, the police, everything in between, roads, all of that. And now you're adding more to society than you're taking from it, right? So that's the example that I give people all the time. When you run the numbers on this, it's actually very affordable for people to buy a place for a first-time buyer. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Does that make sense? I know it's a lot, man. I can break it out more if I need to, but we're gonna, no, to not, we're gonna need a part two uh, Yeah,
0: <laughs> know, for <laughs> sure we'll need a part definitely two. yeah definitely, <laughs> definitely need a part uh, two. You, you killed all of them. you gave them percentages and you made a. you i mean i'm sitting here i didn't even know about the jurisdiction changes and, and some of those is and outs. that that's yeah. why I'm the expert mm-hmm.
3: so, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's it's really just getting you in touch with the right lender who can who can help you with those programs because everybody's situation is unique um you know and i'll give an example i'm I'm working with a, a, a throuple right now. Um, and they originally came to me as a couple. And I said, you know, okay, you guys are trying to buy a place. Like, let's talk about it. Um, and it. And it came to be that there's actually three of them in the relationship. And I know this is common and, you know, getting more common, I think, you know, from place they're, to place. They talking about like
2: a, like a polyamorous relationship?
3: Yeah, a little polyamorous relationship. And they thought they wouldn't be able to buy because for the two of them, because they're, they're a married couple, but then there's also right. a third person that's in the mix. And so they didn't think they could have all three of them on the deed. They didn't think they could buy this place all together. And the reality is that you actually can. Um, But me as your agent, if you don't share with me all the details of what's going on for your unique situation, I don't know how to advise you. Right. Right. And so a lot of what's standing in people's way is their own fear about the unknown. Right. And so if you just tell me what's going on in your life, what's going on in your world, I can assist you.
2: Mm hmm. Just like a lawyer, tell them everything so they can mm-hmm. advise you how to make your next step. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's, that's Dang, I didn't know that at all.
0: So if you listen and yeah. you have any quarrels or qualms about purchasing, you might just be nervous and you're in this area. Or I'm sure he can direct you to the right area if it's in your location because Keller Williams Realty is very huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah reach out to a professional and, and, and Sean made great points at the start. I'm pretty sure all of us are on the same page. We don't, I don't watch mainstream media either. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't help me. And like the only do is instill fear. So when they instill that mm-hmm. fear in you, you got the black world company with 50 billion ready for you to be scared so they can capitalize. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book. And as long mm-hmm. as you get caught up in the media, which is paid media to say things ding, 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 they're paid. It's the reason why they're there. Uh, we have to start deciphering through that because you'll live in fear and, and be a puppet your entire life if you don't step out of the box. Yeah. Um, and the other,
1: go ahead, Chris. I was going to say while you were talking about like media, like sometimes it's even it's Facebook. Like these people, some mm-hmm. of these people not even watching the news; they're watching people on Facebook make posts mm-hmm. about homes who don't even own homes. Yeah, don't have a million dollar portfolio on real estate, who aren't an agent, who aren't a lender. It's just regular mm-hmm. people just talking
0: it's the popularity yeah. thing though popularity leads you right to poverty
3: yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't try to be the most popular person out here i i just i feel like you grammy you touched on this a little bit was you know this is a business my one of my mentors used to call it a belly-to-belly business right it's you're in front mm-hmm. of somebody when they know you they like you they trust you mm-hmm. they'll want to do business with you because they respect what you have to say and they know you're on top of your game so it's not even being on social media. It's, you're right, it's popularity contest. You just want to stay away Sorry. from that if you can.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd rather be, I'd rather be unknown and paid and popular, popular
3: and poverty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut that, editor.
0: I don't know what I was trying to say.
3: <laughs> That's crazy.
0: Any we have? We're going to let to get back about an hour in. I know I kind of, we steered that conversation and went nice and deep. I appreciate it, though.
3: No, my pleasure, man. I, I um, I'm just trying to give you as much as I can. I know you got a lot of people out there that are probably like just trying to figure it out. I would tell them, just take the long game with it, man. Real estate is not a get-rich-quick scheme. And if you treat it as such, you will find yourself very broke very quickly. So take the long game. It's a slow growth asset. You can't sell a house overnight. If you do, you're going to take a big loss on it. And uh, that's, that's my big thing right there. It's just you know keep that in mind. Take it slow.
2: man. I just want to tell the people, man, do not wait to buy real estate. Buy mm-hmm. real estate and wait. And just yo, it's gonna come back 30 years. Come on, yeah. Hustle. You know I got the gems, man. I don't
3: know,
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now. We got a problem with um as far as the truck can go, just with parking. I'm like, yo, let's just go find some land. Like, let's just buy some acres. We'll figure out the rest later. It might turn mm-hmm. into a strip mall that we reset. Who knows? You
2: know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, yeah. that that can go hand in hand. A little trucking lot with this thing stripping. Oh, hey, hey, man. Yeah. Every truck every truck
0: stop, every truck stop started out as a parcel of land. Every yeah, mall started out as a parcel of land. Um, somebody bought some acres that got development. And as Sean said, sometimes they take 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, quick story. Master P from New Orleans. He bought some property when he had that life insurance policy before he started his rap company. Um, he didn't even disclose the numbers because they were so outrageous, but that same property that he bought for like a couple thousand, five, six grand at that time in the 80s or mm-hmm. 90s turned into like one of the biggest malls in New Orleans. So, you know, they mm-hmm. paid him a lot to, to get mm-hmm. in the way Master Pete thinks. I'm sure he sold them some and left some in to get some dividends. Yeah. So There's <laughs> a
3: guy I know. Um, He's on social media. He's an older guy. He's got lots of experience. His name, I think he's British or Australian or something. His name is Dolph DeRuth d-o-l-f-d-e-r-o-o-s he shares a ton of stories on like commercial real estate investing and i think one of the big ones he shared was they bought like an empty plot of desert land for like i think it was like 10 million or something like that and they basically hired a bunch of excavators they dug out land from this desert there's nothing there and they dug it all out and then over the course of like three years they filled it up with water and they made like one of the largest jet ski home communities in uh, Arizona, or in Mexico. I was like, really? They ended up selling it for like 50 times what they bought it for. And right. um, if you can figure out like, that's one of the things that I'm learning about right now. And I, that's why I like real estate is because it, it gives you so many opportunities. Like if you go into this business, treat it as such that it opens the door to so many other different methods of making money and, and, just building wealth and, and building your resources. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm learning about commercial. I like it a lot. I, I might right. jump into that later down the line. Right,
2: right. So so how can uh, the people contact you?
3: Yeah, if they, if they want to get in touch with me, if you just look up Sean Love, Love Home DMV on Google, um, we should just pop up right there. But um, if they ever want to book a call with me, I have a Calendly link. It's just by Sean Love. So calendly.com slash by Sean Love. Um, or they can go to my website at lovehomedmv.com. I'd be happy to connect with anybody there who's interested. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm just, you know, half the calls that I take with people don't end up being anything. You know, it's just no, it's right. guidance, it's putting them on the right track. And, uh, no, you know, if they take the advice and they do what they need to do, then it'll turn into something right. great for them. But yeah, even if they just want to talk, just let me know. Be happy Definitely. to
2: Definitely. Can't stress enough, ask the questions, man. You're not gonna know the answer unless you ask. Please ask questions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm
0: probably gonna be calling back because I mean, it's just so much you gave. I, I'm over here. I got, that's why I kept turning left. I got a calendar here. And I, I mean, it's just scribbled all out, but I've got so many notes. And mm. ultimately, we, we love, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show and just taking time out of your day. Like I said, I know how it is in that area where you gotta hustle and bustle, you gotta beat traffic. If you don't leave at a certain time, you're not gonna get home. Um, so, for sure. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. We definitely appreciate your time. Um, and in the future, we do look at some collaborations. We got some projects and stuff we like to do. But I mean, at, at, at best, thank you for your time and just sharing all that information. And wealth. definitely want to do a part two, part three, a workshop, just a lot of things because I mean, you you, you got it, and you've already you you're giving it back. So we appreciate it. Y'all got anything, guys?
1: Hey, right, thank you again. Uh, thank you
3: for responding.
1: Um, we reached out. It's a pleasure, and we're looking forward to another episode soon.
3: Thanks, Chris. Definitely. I appreciate thank you, you. colin Graham, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah. Let me know if you guys ever want to set something up, man. I'll be uh, happy to do an in person workshop too if you guys would like. Oh, and yeah. We can go over whatever you want to go over. Okay. That works.
2: Appreciate that. Cool. This is recording. All right, guys. This is recording. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good
3: one. All right. We'll see you.
0: This concludes another episode of the hustle lounge podcast. We'll catch you next time.